Good morning. My name is Tim Drink, and um, I am glad that you're here with us this morning. First thing I want to do is dismiss the kids, uh, preschool up to third grade. Welcome to go to your class out that door. This morning, we are going to continue our series on forgiveness. And we are going to have a a panel uh, uh, join me up here on stage in a moment to talk about true forgiveness and and respond to some questions that you raised and some uh, thoughts that you've had. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. So, Obviously, this is an important thing that we want to talk about so that we have a right idea of what forgiveness is and what it's not, and to look at Scripture and see what that has to tell us. So I invite the panel up now, and to share this morning. Well, I will let you... Each of you introduce yourself. Hello. All right, my name is Mike Weens, and um, I'm a teacher. I teach middle school kids, so I I deal with forgiveness on an everyday basis. Um, The children are in constant disarray, uh, emotionally, mentally, all that kind of stuff. So uh, I think the concept of forgiveness is something, uh, whether it's, well, actually, even more so than how they deal with it with with, parents. me as their teacher, just how they forgive each other and how they move on to the next day after um, hurting each other at times is kind of something that is kind of a constant theme. So, thank you. Good morning. I'm Shar Rotfold, and I know many of your faces here this morning. It's fun to be here. I haven't been here before. I'm at Faith Covenant. I'm the community life pastor there and have been at Faith for about 17 years, um, so quite a long time there. And I've worked with Anne for a number of years at Faith, and Rob, ever since he started working at Faith, we worked together. So um, it's just a treat to be here. I'm Ann Fleming. I'm the uh, children's coordinator here. Do that a uh, few hours a week, part-time. My full-time job right now is um, wife, mother, slash full-time grad student. And so the program that I'm in is marriage and family therapy, and we go in pretty, pretty in-depth into forgiveness and how that can affect the system of the family as a whole. Um, in fact, I brought one of the books from that one of my professors wrote here, and I'll just pass it around as we kind of go through the discussion here, if you guys want to take a look at that. Um, some really interesting concepts there about um, just, again, system-wide forgiveness in a family or a congregation or any kind of body of people can really um, affect the system for the future. So... All right, well, let's begin with a couple questions that were raised. Uh, the first one is, how do I forgive a friend who betrayed me and then destroyed my relationship with someone else? I'll go ahead and I'll start. Um, well, I think, I think the initial, uh, the verse that Tim read to kind of start us off here is kind of important here, and that is that um, forgiveness is certainly something that God demands of us. So if I start with the kind of the, um, if I start from the vantage point of saying I need to forgive, it, I think it, 
it kind of addresses part of that issue. The, the other part of that issue is whether or not I want to be reconciled to that friend. And um, forgiveness and reconciliation are, are not necessarily things that need to go together. The forgiveness part is more of an individual thing, whereas the reconciliation is, is your relationship with them. Um, how you forgive a friend, I think, obviously coming at it again from the situation where you know you need to forgive, and then from there saying, do I want to reconcile? I think that's a secondary issue. Um, it certainly, I can say it as simply as I want to say it, but it's never easy. At the same time, it's one of those things that certainly God asks of us. Um, I would just add briefly, my key verse for this whole topic of forgiveness is Romans 12.8 that says, in, in as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And just that knowledge that we're only responsible for our part, we're not responsible for the other person. Um, and our, our responsibility is to God and to forgive. Like Mike was saying, um, we've been forgiven while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us, not after we asked for forgiveness, after we acknowledged our sin, but first, before we did anything and even acknowledged that we'd done anything wrong, Christ died for us. So our responsibility really is for ourselves and to ask for forgiveness or to say we're sorry for our part. Um, but there might be a gap because a relationship involves two people. And if I'm working and the other person's not, I might not be able to bridge that entire gap all by myself. So then the, then the question becomes, and the prayer becomes, now how do I live with that space that's still there between myself and that other person? And we're not responsible for that. Um, one other thing that's been really helpful for me just in understanding the way we relate to each other is that if we, as Christians, assume that we are, we're born into a sinful nature, it's inevitable that we're going to hurt each other. It's, it's part of sinful nature. And so in terms of forgiveness, when it comes to looking at this person as part of humanity along with yourself, that might be a good starting place to start to understand and not necessarily condone what someone might have done to you, but to understand that it's part of their sinful nature, just as it's part of our sinful nature, to sometimes find it impossible to forgive at times. So. One of the questions that was asked was, um, that you've already addressed, but how do you forgive someone who doesn't say, I'm sorry? Uh, could one of you give a concrete example of what that may look like um, in, in living that out? Um, one story of a woman who was in therapy for some issues that she had with her father um, he was very abusive physically, mentally, emotionally to both her and her brother. And um, he's never apologized because to him, that's just what parenting looked like. So in order for her to understand him and to be able to relate to him, she and the therapist started looking back through generations of where, how did he come to parenting thinking that this was, this was okay. And it turns out his mother died of cancer when she was four. And so his father was left with two little boys and not a clue about how to raise them. So he was spoiled by the rest of the family. He was moved from house to house. He didn't have really kind of any anchor for how to learn how to become a, a functional, um, loving adult. He just basically got by. And so for her, for this woman in therapy to think about where he came from, and not, again, not forgive what he did, but to understand the context of where he'd been in his life 
helped her to be able to, like you said, reconcile, not necessarily forgive, reconcile. And because for him, he still doesn't think that he did anything wrong, and he never will. And so she has to come to a realization of this is, this is as good as our relationship is going to get, and can I live with that? And so there's a piece of forgiveness in there. Even though he's, he's not asking for it, she's still able to offer it. I guess I would add to that, because um, I think that really gets at the crux of the matter, and that is that, that it's, you know, that other person, whatever they did, that was perceived to be wrong. I mean, you can assume that what they did was wrong, but it is a perception that you have of what they did to you. If you continually hold that resentment and that anger and that bitterness, um, remember a few weeks ago when um, Don Broughton uh, came up and he had all that luggage on him, it's holding on, and from Rob's sermon a few weeks ago, it's holding on to all that luggage. That only hurts us. If that other person doesn't ask for forgiveness or doesn't, you know, doesn't apologize, and you say, because they didn't ask for that forgiveness, I'm not going to give it to them, well, that only hurts you. Um, and until you're able to take off that luggage and be able to forgive, it's, it's going to be with you. It's not going to be with them. Another thought that someone had, uh, that forgiveness sometimes feels like pretending people didn't do you wrong and whatever the person did is okay or doesn't matter. How do you move from having that, that, that feeling of, well, now I'm just kind of brushing under the carpet, I'm not having to really deal with it, to really living in, for, uh, in forgiveness? Um, I was just reading in a book last week um, that was written by the guy who started YWAM, Youth of the Mission, if any of you are familiar with that. And he has a great um, chapter on forgiveness, and he's, he talks about in there, uh, where did it go here? Um, <laughs> about how forgiveness can be separate from your, from your feelings, um, laying down your life psychologically for, for someone else, and laying down your emotional rights. We, when we're in a conflict or in a relationship where we feel like we've been wronged, oftentimes we hone in on ourselves and, and my feelings are hurt and I've been wronged and kind of internally that way. Instead of saying I'm going to lay down my, my right to be heard or my right to be fully understood and I'm going to give to you <laughs> the right to understand you and to listen to you and to try to reach reach to you. Again, it's that it's that same thing that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. And that example that we provide to other people that as a believer, I am representing Jesus Christ in this, in this life as, as much as we can, as, as well as we can. So to try to model that and not necessarily wait um, for the other person to even admit anything, um, but to offer that freely. And that's a, that's a decision. It's a choice. And the feelings don't necessarily precede that. Oftentimes the feelings will follow in time, but it starts with the decision that we make. And so that's what I would say. Um, I would add one other thing when in terms of starting to think about forgiving somebody who's hurt you deeply. There's kind of one theoretical approach to um, therapy that I found that's really interesting, and that's to assume that most people unless they are truly psychotic, are operating um, the best way that they know how. That everybody generally is doing the best they can at any moment. And so a lot of times when someone's done something that we feel we need to forgive them for, it wasn't something that they did intentionally to hurt us. The hurt was there by proxy. So... 
how would you, uh, someone said, well, someone told me that it is Jesus who needs to forgive that person, not me. How do I respond to that person who says that kind of a statement? Well, that verse you started off with really addresses that. Matthew six fourteen fifteen. 15. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, neither will your Father forgive your sins. We're not just, I mean, God is the judge. We are not the judge of anyone. <laughs> we have no right to judge anybody else. Um, there but for the grace of God go I. We, we're not the judge. Christ is the only judge. And our responsibility then is, is to forgive in as much as we're able and as much as, we, as it depends on us to live at peace. I think what's really interesting about that passage, again, is that it comes right after um, uh, Christ uh, tells the disciples how to pray. So he tells all these things, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, the kingdom come. And then he says, you know, forgive us our, our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then he finishes the prayer. Then he goes right back to the debts and debtors part and says, it's almost like he wants to emphasize that. Oh, and by the way, if you don't forgive people, uh, you're not going to be forgiven. And that's kind of a hard statement. But I think I kind of, the way I picture this is that what God is really saying is that there's a, there's a harmony that he wants to see out of, out of humanities and Certainly within Christian humanity, those of us that follow Christ, but also how we address others. That he, even before he wants us to go to him to be forgiven, he wants us to forgive others. And I think sometimes what happens is our decision not to forgive someone will eventually get in the way of our relationship with him. It's going to hurt us. And if we have that grudge... You know, I, I also come back to, you know, that which you did for the least of these, you did for me. Well, I kind of see that the same way. How we treat other people is necessarily, it's going to impact our relationship with God. So I think he's saying, deal with that first, and then come to me, because then we'll have a right relationship. Then we'll be able to have a little bit more of a, a one-to-one. There's nothing else in the way. Another question that was asked is, <clears throat> what if you need to forgive yourself for something that was really fun, and you have a hard time truly regretting that thing, but know it was wrong. Uh, yeah, I had an interesting high school. Um, I had, I'm going to put this in air quotes here, fun in high school. I had maybe a little bit too much fun. and didn't quite always follow the rules that were um, assigned to me by people I didn't even know, by the way. But that's another story. But certainly um, those things that I did while I was doing them at the time, to kind of go back to a point that was made a little bit ago, at the time you think that's, that you're acting, that's like the right thing to do. Even if you know maybe it's you know, kind of wrong and maybe that makes it kind of fun when you're a little bit younger. I think it all kind of comes back to this, and that is as you look back at what you did, do you think that was a poor decision? Um, if you look back at something you did that was kind of fun and you didn't think it was the wrong decision, it's going to be kind of hard to forgive yourself for it. But if you can look back at that event and you can say, you know what, I know it was fun, but absolutely that was a poor decision and I should not have done that and that was definitely a sin, I think that helps start the process. Now, if you're talking about a little fun that maybe is a little bit different than when you were mean to someone and it felt maybe good to be mean to them, I think those are kind of separate issues. Because if someone's wronged you and you've decided to be the person You've decided not to let um, God be the person that's getting that person back. I think that's, that's more to the reconciliation you need to have with that person. Um, but if it's just kind of a fun thing, I, I agree. It's, it's a difficult question at the same time. I think you need to come back. Did what I did, you know, what I did, was it wrong? 
Um, and until you can get to that point, I don't think you're really going to think you need forgiveness. And it's always good to know that, that God is quicker to forgive ourselves, to forgive us sometimes than we are to forgive ourselves. Our minds will spin and spin with regret over some things. You know, as, as a mom, I've got two kids. They're 11 and 13, and Anne can probably relate to this. When, you think of, when I think about some of the things that I did that probably weren't the best decisions when I was younger, I think, would I, how would I feel if my kids made those, some of those decisions or did some of those things? And, I mean, that for me helps clarify things. Ooh, I'd be kind of nervous if my kids did that or that kind of thing. So just to think back on decisions in light of what you would want for your children, which, of course, is the best and the safest thing, um, but to stop playing in our minds and know that when God has forgiven us, it's gone, gone deeper than the ocean floor. It's just gone. So he doesn't replay those things. Yeah, I, being the parent of a 13-year-old daughter, I call my mom once a week and ask for forgiveness. <laughs> for, um, you know, just in nothing huge, just the amount of time and energy and emotion she had to put into helping me with the girl stuff and the, you know, the drama and all the, and she looks back on it and just sees it as parenting. But for me, that is something that I feel like I need to ask forgiveness for because it was, you know, it took a toll on her. So, um, but I think again, in terms of self-forgiveness, really understanding to kind of speak to what you were talking about, Mike, um, it was fun. And do I really regret it? I know it was a sin. Do I regret it? Those are two questions that you really need to answer for yourself. And then if you do regret it, you, you need to understand why, why you regret it. And then you can start really working toward actual self-forgiveness if you know why. What's the why behind the regret? Um, <clears throat> another question is being on the receiving end of, being, of, of getting forgiveness. So if you've been forgiven but others haven't forgotten the actions that you did, how do you handle or uh, respond to that you know, being You've been forgiven, but other people still remember or uh, hold on to those things. So you mean if we keep bringing it up? Either keep bringing it up or maybe that, that same person or uh, someone else who was aware of the situation. Yeah. Um, well, the insensitive part of me, which maybe is a little bit too um, active at times, would say that's not really my problem. Um, whether they choose to remember it or not, I get to decide if that affects me. And a lot of times I choose not to let it affect me. However, um, if it's someone that I love and I care about and I have to see and deal with on a regular basis, obviously if they're continuing to bring it up, there's something that's not resolved. Um, uh, what I can think back to is um, uh, when I was, what was I, maybe seven or eight, and um, we had a neighbor's dog we were told not to pet, and of course that to me, I mean, the neon lights went on, pet this dog. And so I petted the dog, and the dog bit me. And so I, I went home, and I was bleeding. And my mom said, you know, what did you do? And I said, a dog bit me. And um, she said, well, what was the dog? And instead of saying it was just the neighbor's dog, which I should have done, I know that now, but I didn't. I just said it was some dog. I didn't want to get in trouble for disobeying, so I lied. And um, what I didn't know was the many weeks that my mom, my mom went out searching for this dog just in case the dog had rabies. What I didn't know was the amount of time they spent with the police drawing a picture of a dog that I made up in my head. What I didn't know is that my mom went to bed most nights for the next three or four weeks, essentially uh, worried about me and kind of crying about it because I was fine. Just a couple of stitches. I was all healed. Um, so 
when I kind of came to the point where I said I, I need to fess up and I went and asked for my mom's forgiveness, um, there was this weight that kind of lifted off of her shoulders, this worry that kind of went away at the same time. I heard about that for five or six You know what? I think I heard about it at dinner a couple weeks ago, to be honest with you. <laughs> Didn't I? Yeah, I did. And so I think for me, for a number of years, five or six years, I got so tired of hearing about it because all it did to me was it, it made me remember something that I did that was wrong, and I didn't like that. Um, so the way that I started to deal with it was I went and I asked my mom, is there anything else I can do because every time you bring it up, I feel horrible. And she, she confessed. She said, I think, I think I just needed to forgive you completely. She said, I had spent so much time worried about this that when you asked for forgiveness, I said yes, but it, the process wasn't finished. Um, but now it's finished. Now we kind of joke about it, but when you receive the verbal forgiveness, I think it's uh, crucial to understand that it's a process. It's not going to happen right away. Um, whether it's the person that cuts you off in traffic or the person that makes you go to bed crying for three or four weeks in a row. Um, it is something that you kind of you kind of deal with in your own way, and you have to let it process. And the person that keeps bringing it up, asking them why, was very helpful for me. So, Another question um, that, that I've been asked more than once is, if we have forgiveness from God, as it says in Colossians, all of our sins are forgiven, why do we still need to ask God for forgiveness? If we already have it, why are we still asking? And... Um, I'll save you to have an answer. Um, one, I think there's a recognition of our relationship with God um, our, and versus our experience with God. Our relationship with God is permanent. Once we're a child of God, um, God maintains our relationship with him. That's done. Um, but how we experience that will change as we sin, as we ask for forgiveness, as, as we follow how God wants us to live. Um, an example that I've used uh, as I've taught confirmation is having some, or think, thinking of someone who committed a crime and was caught, convicted, and sent to prison. And this person managed to escape and ran off and lived in the hills. And while that person is living in the hills, fearful of any sort of human contact, the, the governor pardons this person for whatever reason. And so at that moment, that person, uh, living fearfully, can go home, live a normal life. No one is out to get him anymore. Yet, that person is still living in fear. So the reality is, he is free to go, no problems. But he doesn't live that way. And so I think that shows us how um, that differences of, we still need to ask for forgiveness. We have it. It doesn't change our position with God. But our experience with God is very different when we ask for forgiveness versus when we don't ask for forgiveness. And that reminds me of a marriage relationship where, I mean, you can say to your spouse, the day you get married, I love you. And then never say it again and say, well, I told you the day we got married, I love you. I'll let you know if anything changes. I mean, you know that joke. Um, well, you tell your spouse you love them repeatedly um, because you do, and it's out of love. And if I, when I wrong my husband, I won't say if, when I wrong my husband, <laughs> I need to tell him I'm sorry too every time, not just one time, not just a blanket time. If I ever do anything that irritates you, I'm sorry. I'm saying it now and now I'm done. That doesn't really work in a relationship. It's that context of relationship that's important. 
I think, too, it's, it's really important for us to remember that, um, to remember and really sit with the fact that we are created as relational beings. And so if we're not interacting as relational beings with each other and with God, that's, that's why if you have a one-sided type of forgiveness where you don't have somebody actually asking for it, who needs it, it's almost like there's a wall there. And so, and, and to tack on to that too, it's part of the reason that when someone hurts us, it really it can stick with your soul for quite some time because it's threatening. It threatens your feeling of being accepted as a relational being. And when somebody kind of messes with those boundaries with us, it's, there's something internally that happens to the soul. And so just knowing that about our our nature and the way that we were created to be in relation with each other, to be in relationship with each other and with God, um, and how threatening that is if somebody does something to hurt us. And that's kind of, I think, why forgiveness can be so tricky at times, too. I think we, um, forgiveness, we've often said, is hard, um, especially, you know, the, the bigger the hurt. How can we, uh, what would be the steps to choose to forgive um, and, and begin that process, uh, whether it's uh, something huge, uh, abuse, to, um, hey, you, you hit me in the hall. How would you, uh, ask forgiveness is hard, how do you approach it? How do we initiate that forgiveness? Well, again, it's a, it's a choice. It starts with a choice. It doesn't start with whether you feel like forgiving or not, um, but it's that decision that, that we make um, that's a choice I'm going to choose to forgive and it's going to be hard and it might take a long time but um, from a in, in your brain if you'll take just a moment um, the part of your brain that receives information is the part of your brain that controls your thoughts and then that part of your brain talks to the part of your brain that controls your feelings so physiologically your thoughts create your feelings to a very large degree so your feelings center doesn't interact with the outside world so what you tell yourself really affects how you feel so if you're telling yourself over and over again how irritated you are and how how icky this person is and how bad your relationship is your feelings are going to follow suit and it's going to be a really hard time um, you're going to have a hard time forgiving but if you change that and and tell yourself i'm going to forgive i'm going to let this go i need to give this to god just over and over and over again in time your feelings will follow suit and it'll get easier do you need uh, one last question do you need to forgive someone that you may never see again or will never see again so it's not an ongoing relationship but you've had some hurt uh no you don't need to. I just, sorry, that was a joke. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> I was just letting him keep going, I was, you know, before sorry. I yanked him off Middle the Middle school sense of humor, I apologize. <laughs> um, well, I think, obviously, it, it, a lot of it just comes back to the fact it's what's it, what is it doing to you, not necessarily what it's doing to that person. Um, one very easy for me um, uh, comparison, or I should say analogy to use, is, is when I'm driving to work in the morning and somebody cuts me off in traffic. And now, I'm never going to see that person again. Probably in some situations, that's a good thing. And when they do that, um, I don't stop and go, you know, I forgive you. Because I feel like I'd be saying that the whole time. Um, but if I get upset with them, and I decide to follow them, and weave in and out of traffic with them, and chase them down, I'm not, and I've never done that. But if I chose to do that, that's only, I mean, that's just making me late, or that's just possibly getting me in trouble, and that's only wrecking my day. Um, 
it, they might not even see me in their rearview mirror. I think it just has to do with my approach to the situation, and if I can just kind of let that go and essentially forgive them, it's going to just make things go better for me, and that's really where it starts. Um, the whole idea of never having to see that person again is really really doesn't have anything to do with the situation. It's all in how you're perceiving it and then how you're dealing with it because it's how it's going to affect you. So in closing, any final thoughts, anything that you would like to share or repeat? Important things need, need to be repeated. Um, I would say, too, the art of forgiveness is, is it's like exercising your muscles. It's not something that I think really comes naturally for us. And um, so just exercising that forgiveness muscle, it makes it easier to continue to do it. And it becomes more familiar, I think, the more um, that we get comfortable with it. And I would add to that, um, as I... Uh, kind of grew up with parents that kind of forced this attitude from me. Um, my brain is able to rationalize things and justify them really, really well. And so when I would apologize at times when I would grow up, I had an older brother who um, we would get into some arguments, and when I would need to apologize, I would say things like, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. Or I'm sorry that you got hurt when my, my fist hit your face. <laughs> and I think uh, true forgiveness is really being sorry for the action no conditions. And I had to practice that. I was not allowed to give the if, ands, ors, buts, all that kind of thing at the end of my apology. And I think as an adult, I struggle, I still struggle with that, if, especially if I don't feel like I was, I was wrong. I just, you kind of apologize and you put a condition on it. And I think true forgiveness is sometimes saying, I am sorry, and then leaving it and letting that be your approach rather than saying I'm sorry in the back of my mind thinking yeah but if they do it on this I wouldn't have needed to apologize that's not really forgiveness um, forgiveness is saying I'm sorry and then just leaving it on the table there and you got to exercise that you have to practice that I kind of coming back I like the idea my thoughts feelings thoughts um, because sometimes you tell yourself you've already apologized I'm not apologizing again and really <laughs> If you're, when you're saying that, what you're saying is, I already said it once, and all I needed to do was say the words, and I don't need to do anything else. When really, once you apologize, there has to be some kind of idea in your head that what I did was wrong, and I'm not going to do it again. Even if you make the mistake again, at, at least your brain is processing through that. All right, well, thank you very much. <clears throat> all right. Thank you for being here. Matthew 5, 23 and 24 says, So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. I invite you to spend a few minutes in reflective prayer. Um, first, enjoy the, the, the true forgiveness you have in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And then listen to the Holy Spirit. Let him speak to you, whether it's about um, asking for forgiveness or being able to forgive or helping someone else in that process. Um, the band will come up in a few moments and, and play softly, and then I'll close in prayer. But spend a few, few moments listening to what the Holy Spirit has for you.